screen. Yeah, would you share just maybe how has God used this thing called the Alpha Course in your life over the last two years? Okay, so after the second Alpha, when I became a leader, um, Sue and I had decided that we would start a women's group for those in our group um, that wanted to continue meeting and talking about the Bible and learning. And um, in this group, actually, Pat was our only male. So <laughs> we told him that, sorry, but he can't join our group. <laughs> and he was so sad. But anyway, <laughs> that was um, the first thing that happened to me. We started a women's group. Um, the second thing was um, I started to journal and read the Bible daily, which I used to try in the past um, every night, but I would just end up falling asleep. But um, somehow God has really changed me. So when I read the Bible, I, um, I don't know, I guess the words, and um, it also has lately has been giving me words for other people. And I even had a word for Neil one time, <laughs> which is kind of unusual because Neil is always the one who has the words for other people. So I know that God is speaking to me through the Bible. And... Um, Sorry, my notes. <laughs> uh, also, the last thing is that um, I really know that it's God that has put me in Alpha because I've been praying for a while now to see what I should be doing in church because they always say to pray about what you want to do for the church. And um, also, I've been praying that what is my purpose in life? Because now when you get to a certain age, you're thinking, what am I here for? What is you know, what has God placed me here for? So I've been praying about what is my purpose in life. And um, I felt strongly about um, ha helping Pastor Mark with Alpha. And um, I just keep coming back. And it's not a burden to me. Or <laughs> sometimes it feels, you know, like when you do things for God or for the church, you know, it becomes like too much. But Somehow, when Alpha comes up, I get all excited, and I know it's from God. Amen. That's awesome. That's a lot. That's a lot. You're preaching a sermon. That's good. You got three points. You know, Neil. Wow, this is so awesome. You know, just to see what God is doing in your life, and I just, I just love it. So, Kareen was talking to me about her kids asked her, hey, Mom, can, you, can we go do this? And she's like, oh, I have to do this after church for Alpha. Like, we have an Alpha meeting. And she said, but I love it. I'm so excited. It's not like you said, not like a burden. It's just uh, really cool. So the purpose, so awesome. And I, I just love um, the story you shared recently with me about reaching out to your friends and just having a heart for their spiritual condition and just where they are and just loving on your friends. Kareem, would you be able to share with uh, with the church uh, just a little bit about that interaction you had with your friend and what you're doing together? Okay. Um, maybe like two weeks ago, I was driving my friend to the North Shore because um, her husband had passed away about two years ago. And um, she always questions to me and other people, I guess, like, you know, why am I here and not with her husband? And so um, as we were driving to the North Shore, then she suddenly said, like, well, you know, is, is Mike in heaven and I'm in hell? 
And then I was kind of shocked, like, why would you say that? And I said, why would you say that? You know, did somebody tell you that? And she said, her friend told her that when Mike passed away, he went to heaven, and she's here because she's in hell. And I'm like, no, that's not right. I said, this is not hell. I said, it might be hard, you know, living in this world, but it's really not hell. You know, I'm pretty sure hell is really bad. <laughs> and so I said, then I thought about Alpha and how we're supposed to help people. And um, I said, do you want me to pray for you? And here I'm driving, you know, and I'm like, do you want me to pray for you? And she's like, I said, do you want to make sure that you go to heaven? And she's like, okay. So I said, oh, all right. You know, so I'm driving. And I said, yes, yeah. so I was giggling. And she's like, why are you giggling? And I said, because you're the first one I'm going to pray for to receive Jesus into your heart. And I've never had, I've been going to church for 40 years. And I've never had the opportunity to do that, even though I've been trained, you know, I've been training in Alpha to do this. And the day has come, and I was like, okay, what did Pastor Max say now? You know, it's like, <laughs> so I know it's so, you know, so. And I know in Alpha we learned that um, in order to understand what God is trying to tell you, and when you read the Bible, to understand the Bible, you have to receive the Holy Spirit also. Um, when you pray. So I, you know, I did a small prayer, I guess a short prayer. And I said, okay, so I'm going to pray for you now, okay? And she said, okay. So I said, dear Jesus. I always start with that, dear Jesus. <laughs> Even in my journals, I always pray that. <laughs> and then I said, um, I just want you to help my friend to understand um, what is right and wrong. And I want her to receive you into her heart, Lord and with the Holy Spirit um, to overwhelm her with your love. And so I said more, but then, then I said, in Jesus' name, amen, because you're supposed to end it like that. <laughs> so, so I said, okay, say G in Jesus' name, amen. So she said, in Jesus' name, amen. And I said, okay, God is in your heart, and you're going to heaven. And I was so, like, something, like, overwhelmed me and my friend, and we both wanted to cry. And I was just so excited and so happy. So I just said, give me a high five. And she said, okay, high five. <laughs> so that was awesome. <laughs> this is good. This is so awesome. So, um, you know, Kareen, what would you say to all of us? Maybe there's somebody here who's maybe thinking about uh, coming to the Alpha Course and thinking about, uh, like Kareen, there's those people in our lives, whether family or friends, that they're... Um, maybe considering inviting, what would you say to having them come on the Alpha Course and bring a friend? Okay, sorry, I just have to write it down so I don't forget like, what I wanted to say. Um, well, I know for a fact, because I've been going since the beginning, um, how Alpha can help you and how it has a, how, wait, <laughs> how it changes your outlook in life. Okay, so... <laughs> I would say that if you're a non-Christian, it helps you to understand who God is. If you're a Christian, it helps you to, wait now. Oh, it helps you to, it gives you a purpose in life. And also, okay, this is the best part about it. <laughs> um, it just helps you in your, to make new relationships. That's one big thing about Alpha is that somehow when you go through that eight-week course, 
it, um, you become friends with everybody in your group and you get to know them deep down inside. And, um, there's more. No. No, there's <laughs> Wait, oh yeah, so. <laughs> anyway, when I counted how many relationships I made, deep relationships, I made 26. And three-fourths of them are from church that I didn't know, people I didn't know. Yeah, and then the other fourth is not. That's so cool. That's awesome. Hey, can we give the Lord a hand for what he's doing in your life? Thank you. Thank you for sharing. God wants to, us to meet him, experience him, have a relationship with him, friendship, and walk and just hang out. Dear Jesus, hang out with Jesus. And, you know, when he does that, he changes us, he transforms us, and he gives us a story that's contagious, that we can't keep in. So I would like to ask you to prayerfully consider, please come in to this Times Alpha course, starting this Wednesday, 6.30, and we would just ask you, yeah, just pray, and you would be able to maybe say, Lord, who is that? We really, really, this time, we're focusing on bringing a friend, bringing a family member who doesn't know him yet giving us an opportunity, giving them an opportunity to make relationships, friendships, and a relationship and friendship with God. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and, and pray. Lord, we just say thank you for what you're doing, Lord, in Corrine's life. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord, in her friend's life. We thank you for what you're doing in all of our lives, Lord. We ask, God, if you would like us to go ahead and take a step of faith and invite somebody and Lord, that's not easy. It's a little intimidating, Lord, but when we have that story, when we have that in us, we just want to say we want to share Jesus with somebody else. So Lord, we ask that God, we would impress it upon our hearts. Lord, you would give us the faith and boldness to go ahead and take a step and invite. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. If you have any questions or anything, please go ahead and uh, visit us on the Alpha table outside. Why don't we just go ahead and stand up. Say good morning to one another and share some aloha. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity, the privilege we have. That, that you know, you could have done anything. You, you know, you're all powerful. And yet you said to us that I want to use this church. I want to use every person here to bring people into my kingdom. And Lord, may we never look at that as um, something small, that this is a great privilege that we have, Father, and I pray, I pray that we would walk in your call for us, that you would prompt our hearts, you would give us grace, just to invite people, Lord, just to invite people. And so we just thank you, and just be with us today. Father, we just humble ourselves before you today, that we may hear you that we don't want to hear me. We don't want to just come and, and have, a, have a service where we just gather together. We want to come here to hear you. So Holy Spirit, I just pray, open our ears. Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth right now, that you would set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue our look at God's real worldview, and, and you know, knowing and living according to the biblical worldview is really important. And we've been talking about that. But not only is it important that, that it's really for our good. It's really for your good. It isn't like God's just mean God who's saying, 
I want you to live this way. I want you to be miserable. And for the rest of your life, I want you to just be in slavery to me. That's not what it's all about. God's real worldview gives us a tangible expression of his love for us. That when we look at what God is calling us to, it's just really a tangible expression of how much God loves us. In John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Because I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. And what, what Jesus is saying is that his purpose is for all of us to experience the good life, a rich and satisfying life. Um, it's for our good and for our benefit. You know, here's a, here's a couple of them. The first thing about God's worldview is that, you know, it just doesn't, it's just not here and it just ends when we die. But, but it leads us to salvation. You know, we all know John. Most of us know John 3, 16 and 17. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, that's all part of God's worldview. He sent his son Jesus not to condemn us, but to free us up and to save us. In 1 Peter 1.23, it says, For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last, what, forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. Again, God's worldview is for our good, and it lasts forever. God's saying, I, I, I so want you to live this way because this is the way that will lead you to salvation. This is the way that will lead you to a good and rich and satisfying life. Not only, is, not only that, God's worldview, it guides our steps, that, that we have guidance. We don't have to just stumble our way through life. Um, in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. That, that, that his worldview guides our steps. Not only that, it gives us wisdom. It gives us and fills us with wisdom. In Psalm 119, verse 130, it says, The teaching of your word, the truth in his word, the worldview, the biblical operating system, um, gives light so that even the simple can understand. You see, God wants all of us to understand. That God wants all of us to, to receive his wisdom so we can live. Not only that, it brings peace into our lives. And I just so thank God that in light of all that, go, that goes on, because God didn't ever say that we're going to have a, a stress-free life. That you know, sometimes we think as a Christian, we, everything is supposed to go right. Jesus never said that. Jesus said, when you go through hard times, I'm going to be there with you. That life's a mess. There's sin nature. There's sin abounds. But I tell you what, if you, op, you follow my operating system, I'm going to get you through that. You see? And so he gives us peace. In Psalm 119, verse 165, it says, those who love your instructions... Those who love your worldview live according to that. He says, they have great peace and they do not stumble. See, what God is telling us about how to live is for our benefit. It's for our good. And we're going to continue um, in Romans 
where Paul is going to give, the Apostle Paul is going to give this really powerful exhortation uh, to really put his worldview into action. What he's saying is, look, it's more than just hearing about it. It's more than just knowing about it. It's more than just, yeah, that sounds really good. You got to put it into action. That unless you put it into action, you're not going to experience everything God has for you. And so his plea in Romans 12, 1, 2 says this, Therefore, in light of all that I've said so far, in light of all that i said that God's worldview is, is, is all about how Jesus came and that we're all messed up and we all have a sin nature, Jesus came to, to save us, and all these things, that in light of all that I've said so far in the first 11 chapters, He's saying this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, just think about how merciful God has been, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And he said, is that so important? Because that is your true and proper worship. When we offer our bodies to God, that's that's an act of worship. And he says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And what Paul is saying is like, to see how much God loves you. See how good and kind and merciful he is. That he is never going to take you down a path to just mess you up. And so in light of all that, in light of all that, Um, walk according to his worldview. Just start walking according to his worldview because when you do, that's when you'll experience what God's good and perfect and acceptable will is. So many times Christians say, you know, I want to know God's will. I want to know God's will. Well, how do we know that? When we offer our bodies as living sacrifices and we give it all to God, follow his worldview, then we'll begin. He'll begin to lead us into his good and perfect will. And what I wanted to do, just to hop along with, um, hop, you know, just piggyback on, on, on Paul, and it's kind of be a cheerleader this morning. And, and I wanted to, to encourage you. You know, um, one of the great theologians of the 20th century wrote in one of his books, Oh, the Places uh, You'll Go, he wrote, he wrote these words that echo what Paul writes in Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is what Dr. Seuss says, all right? Dr. Seuss says, you have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself in any direction you choose. You're, you're on your own, and you know what you know, and you are the one who decide where to go, right? And that's true. That Paul is saying, only you can decide where to go. And Paul is saying, if you would just walk, if you would just walk according to, to God's worldview, you're going to experience everything that God has. And so I just want to piggyback on that and just encourage you just in three things. First thing is choose to be a living, a living sacrifice. So you've got to choose. Choose to be that living sacrifice. You know, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy— um, to offer your bodies, everything that you are, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. In the Old Testament, you know how the people were regularly offering animals to God? Well, you know, they did that because it was an act of worship. 
It was an act of worship, acknowledging who God was, and it was an act of obedience, following the instructions of this holy and loving God. And Paul is exhorting us to choose, like in those sacrifices, to offer our lives, offer who we are as a living sacrifice to God, to offer who we are, all that we do as a sacrifice to God. And being a living sacrifice is something that we will continue to do. Paul is saying continually offer yourself. Not like in the Old Testament, a one-shot deal, you know, kill the sheep, done. No, it's, it's your living sacrifice. And you need to, I'm asking you to offer yourselves continually. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? It, it means choosing to surrender. It's surrender living for yourself. It's choosing surrender living for yourself and choosing to live for God and his standards, his worldview. And I tell you what, it's a sacrifice that it's going to cost you something. It's not always easy because I want to do all kinds of things. And a lot of things that I want to do is kind of contrary to what God wants me to do. And being a living sacrifice is I'm going to choose to surrender. Jesus said in Mark 12, 30 to 31, he says, hey, you know what? Someone asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He said exactly that. He said what? Love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, in the greatest commandment is, is you love God first. You love people second. What about me? Not even on the list. Not even on the list. That's hard, right? That's hard. I hear people all the time, I will serve God as soon as I'm not busy. Now, where is that coming from? It's like, I'm more important than God. I got to take care of me first. When I take care of me, then I can serve God. You know, um, I'm going to love that person, but they got to love me first, right? In fact, I'm only going to love the people who are lovable. Right? Who's, who's saying that? That we're saying that. And God is saying, no, you just love others. Who's others? Everybody else. You love others. Like, whoa, that's hard. See, that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. It's really humbling ourselves. And God has been showing me over and over, he say, Mark, you got to humble yourself. You know, that, that, that there are times when, when you think about yourself too much. You know, you got to humble yourself. And it's a humbling thing to choose to be a living sacrifice. Well, what about him? What about her? What about the... God says, what's your choice going to be? Are you going to choose to be a living sacrifice? Shane Claiborne, you know, he's an author, and um, he spent a summer in the slums of Calcutta with Mother Teresa. And he wrote this powerful thing. I just love Mother Teresa. But um, he wrote this. I think when I get to heaven, I kind of want my, my condo to be next to Mother Teresa's. But anyway, um, people often ask me what Mother Teresa was like, he writes. Sometimes it's like they wonder if she glowed in the dark or had a halo. Well, she was short, wrinkled, and precious, maybe even a little ornery like a beautiful, wise old granny. But there is one thing I will never forget, her feet. Her feet were deformed. Each morning in Mass, I would stare at them, and I wondered if she had contracted leprosy. But I wasn't going to ask, of course. Hey, Mother, what's wrong with your feet? One day, 
A sister said to us, have you noticed her feet? We nodded, curious. She said, her feet are deformed because we get just enough donated shoes for everyone. And mother doesn't want anyone to get stuck with the worst pair. So she digs through and finds them. And years of doing this have deformed her feet. And what he's saying is, years of loving her God and loving her neighbor as herself deformed her feet. That's what it means to choose to be a living sacrifice. And so in light, why do we do this? Paul is saying, in light of God's mercy, in in light of God's love for us, will you choose to release any of those other faulty worldviews, the me operating system, the cultural operating system, and, and will you give everything you are and everything you am and everything you do as an offering to God? See, that's Paul's exhortation to us. Choose to be a living sacrifice. The second thing was choose to go against the flow of the world. See? Be a living sacrifice, but you gotta, he's saying, will you choose to go against the flow of the world? Romans 12.2 starts off by saying, do not be conformed to the pattern of this pattern of this world. Paul is saying, don't follow the cultural worldview. Don't try to live your life the way you see others living. Don't buy in to the values and priorities of the world around you. Quite literally, you know, what Paul is saying is don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. That's what he's saying. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And this is a huge challenge for every Christ follower because the pull of the cultural worldview is so strong. And so many of us, we say we love Jesus and we love Jesus and, you know, we're... uh, we're a follower of him. We're a disciple of Jesus. But you know what? We live not according to his worldview. We live according to the cultural worldview. And, and we live in the world. We have the world's value, but we love Jesus. And that's a tough place to be. And that's why so many of us are kind of miserable. It's like, oh, man, when am I going to be happy? Or, like, I'm not happy. You know, God's not doing this for me. And, you know, I just like, you know oh, I wish I had this and that. And the problem isn't that God isn't giving you something. The problem is, are you choosing to go against the flow of the world? Because Paul is saying, don't conform. Don't be squeezed into the mode of the world. George Gallup, you know, he does a bunch of polls and stuff like that. Well, he said to a national seminar to a bunch of Christians once, he said, our organization organization finds that there is very little difference in ethical behavior between churchgoers and those who are not actively religious. The levels of lying, cheating, and stealing are remarkably similar in both groups. How sad is that? Eight of ten Americans consider themselves Christians. Gallup said, yet only about half of them could identify the person who gave the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus. Okay, yeah, right, Jesus. They didn't know who that was. Yeah, I just thought I'd let you know, so you, when he comes to you, you know, Jesus is it! Okay, okay, all right. Okay, fewer still could recall five of the Ten Commandments. All right? Think about that one. All right? Only two in ten 
said they would be willing to suffer for their faith. And I'm thinking, wow, one of them, yeah, the other one probably lied, you know, right? Two out of ten said they're willing to suffer for their faith. And it is so easy for us as Christ followers to just be squeezed into the mode of the world. Oh, you know what? My, my family, we need this, we need that. My kids got to go to this school or that school. You know, if it's castle or bus, you know, whatever. You know, my kids got to wear the certain clothes. My kids got to do, you know, I got to have, you know, this, that, the other thing. And we don't realize that we're being squeezed into the mode of the world. And what happens is, is not that God punishes us. It's like we drift away from what God really has for us. And so, you know, Paul is saying, let the Holy Spirit speak to you and encourage you that in light of God's mercy and love to make a courageous choice, that it's about making a courageous choice, make a choice that no other worldview, no other system of beliefs and values is worth basing your life on, that there is nothing or there's no one who loves you like God. And there's nothing or no one who is worth getting squeezed into a mold that is really a faulty mold. You've got to make a courageous choice, Paul is saying, to go against the flow and choose God. Again, it's not easy, but that's what we need to do. The third thing he's saying is not only do you cho- choose not to go against the flow, you got to choose to change the way you think. That, that it's all about changing the way you think. And so many of us are stuck because we don't want to change the way we think. You know, we want God to change the way he thinks about us. We want to change his mind. And so we come to church and we come to, to God in prayer and we're asking God, God, will you help me? Don't change me, change everybody else. You know that person at work? Change them. If not change them, send them somewhere else. And if, if not send them somewhere else, no, don't even go there. Yeah, just, you know, just do something. All right? Or like, oh, God, I don't know why. You know, just so stressful at work or wherever. I don't know what's wrong with everybody else around me. And God is saying to us, oh, sometimes you just got to look in the mirror because that's kind of where the problem is. It's in the mirror. That maybe you've chosen to, to, to be squeezed into the world's mode. And Paul is saying, maybe you got to look in the mirror and choose to change the way you think. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, he said, by the renewing of what? Of their mind. No, of your mind. Our minds need to be renewed. How we think will help us become transformed to all that God wants. But we've got to change the way we think. And the biggest thing that we've got to change is this attitude that we have, that all of us have, is I'm the most important thing in this world. And some of us are a lot more sophisticated, so we don't let other people know 
But the truth is, everything we do is for us. And he's saying, you got to choose to renew and, and change the way you think. The way we think is so important because Proverbs 23, 7 says this. For as a person thinks in his heart, so he is. See, that, that's how important this is. And choosing to change the way we think and allow God to renew or overhaul our minds, that's what it's going to take for our lives to be transformed. And if you would begin to do that, if you would begin to do that, God will say, now I will give you the grace to do that, and you'll begin to see change in your life. But you've got to be willing to do that first. You've got to make that choice. In his book, Glorious Mess, Mike Howerton tells a story about playing mud football. And some of you guys did this after a storm, ground's wet. That's the best time to play football. It's muddy, sliding all over the place. You know, mud going in your mouth. That's just fun. He writes this. I love this story. Okay? So we had a blast. Every tackle would send you sliding for yards and yards. I remember that. I remember tackling one of my friends and watching him skim across the surface of the water for something like four miles and thinking, I might be in heaven. When he got up, I noticed something stuck on his shoulder. I peered closer, wondering, what is that? Now there was a huge concrete sewage runoff drain right next to the gully. And apparently during the heavy rains, all sorts of things got backed up. And suddenly, realized, I realized that it was a soaking piece of toilet paper. In the same, <laughs> I like this, in the same instant, I realized the smell surrounding me was a bit more pungent than the typical mud football game out of smell. And so he says, I yelled out, we're playing in poop water. You know, we're playing in poop water, and we bolted for home as fast as we could go. That's like the greatest story ever. Can you imagine that? You're playing like, hey, what's that? That's toilet paper. We're playing in poop water, you know, right? I mean, that's like fun. Not to be in the poop water, but the story. But that's what Paul is saying. He's saying in life, we need our thinking transformed because without knowing it, sometimes we're thinking a whole, like we're having a whole lot of fun until we realize we're rolling around in the sewage. You see? And... And let, again, the Holy Spirit speak to you. See? Sometimes we think, oh, this is fun. This is great. We don't realize with that faulty worldview, what we're really doing is that we're rolling around in poop water. And God wants so much more for us. He doesn't want us to be rolling around in poop water. You see? And so... Choose to begin to change the way you think. Well, how can you do that? I tell you what, I, just a 30-day experiment, or you can go a 31-day experiment, all right, that I would say this. Read through, right in the middle of the Bible, you get your Bible, you cut it in half, and you get to Psalms, you go back a little bit, there's Proverbs. Just read Proverbs one chapter a day. 31 chapters in Proverbs for the next 31 days. And you ask God, 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 will you, for the, next, for, for the next 31 days, you just pray. 
right? And you say, God, will you begin to renew my mind as I read this one chapter? It ain't very long. And you say, Holy Spirit, will you change and renew my mind one chapter at a time? And the book of Proverbs is all about God's wisdom. And I, and I almost, I want to say, I guarantee you, if you would do that in 31 days, you will see God begin to renew your mind. You see? How do I choose to change the way I think? Start there. The next 30, start today. Proverbs 1. Before you open it, God, will you help me to change the way I think? Renew my mind as I read your word. Let's read it and see what God does. When you choose to make a decision where to go and you choose to to follow God's instructions and his worldview, you begin to experience a rich and satisfying life. Romans 12, 2 ends like this. Then you will be able to test and approve. Then you'll be able to experience God's will. What kind of will is that? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's the rich and satisfying life that God wants us to live. But we got to choose. But we got to choose that, that we have to make that choice. You know, that we got to say, God, you got you to change the way I think, man. You got you to help me to be this living sacrifice. And what's really hard, God, is you got to help me to, to go against the flow. And the key to the whole thing is humility. Will you humble yourself? Will we humble ourselves and say, God, God, you want me to live a rich and satisfying life. And I don't know any better. And it's so easy for me to to be squeezed in. It's hard for me to think to sacrifice who I am and everything I do. I feel like I'm going to lose myself. And God is saying, if you would lose your life for me, then I'm going to give you your life like you've never experienced. See, that's God's promise. But it takes humility. Will we humble ourselves? Before God who loves us so much that he gave us his son, that we could connect with him and live the life he designed us to live. Yeah, why don't you stand with me? And I want to say to you is that maybe for you to choose, maybe today you choose anew. Yeah, God, I've just been messing up. I don't even think I'm a Christian today. Or... I never thought I was, and I kind of get it now. Maybe today you just say, Jesus, I believe what you say, that Jesus, you died on that cross. When we did the communion thing, yes, you broke your body for me. Your blood was shed for me. You died on that cross for me that I could live, and I could be reconnected with you. And so today I choose you. And now will you give me the grace to choose to be that living sacrifice? Choose to not go 
and follow the world, but go against the flow of culture and really to change the way I think. I need you. I need you, Jesus. We just come into my life, right? So why don't we pray? And if you've never prayed that, I'm going to pray that. Just pray that with me, all right? Father, we just thank you for your love, for sending Jesus to come and to die for us on that cross, Lord. Thank you. You gave us a tangible example of that as we celebrated communion. And right now, I say I need Jesus. That maybe for the first time, I'm saying, Jesus, will you come into, me, to, into my life to be my Savior? I believe that you died for me, that you paid the penalty for my sin. For others, it's like, you know, I've just been messing around. I've been rolling around in poop water. And it's time for me to come back to you, Jesus. So today I make that choice, that I come back to you, that yes, you are the Savior of my life. Yes, you are the Lord of my life. And I just ask you to give me the grace to choose to be that living sacrifice. Choose to go against the flow of culture. Choose to change the way I think. Father, help us, help me to make that courageous choice. I just thank you, Father, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.